Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free this is the great peterson experience he was like a god walking amongst mere mortals he had a voice that could make a wolverine purr on vsin the sports betting network it's our number two of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got an absolutely tremendous hour for you as we're talking a little bit of everything on the show tonight. We were able to hit some college football, college basketball, and NFL in segment or in hour number one. We're going to be talking Academy Awards coming up here in hour number two. Tom Cunningham, he does a great job over at Sportsbook Review taking a look at the futures market, and he's a man that he loves the Academy Awards along with our very own Brian Ortega. I know that he does a podcast called the Concierge Confidential Podcast. You're able to get that wherever you get your podcast. Does great work here at the network. And back when I was on the weekends, he was my weekend producer here on the Greg Peterson Experience. They're going to be talking about this. It's going to be a lot of fun. The biggest question is, does Minions the Rise of Gru have any shot whatsoever at Beck's Picture? That is the question that I absolutely must ask. It doesn't matter if it's at like 500 to one. And if I'm able to get into like some market where I'm able to bet it, I certainly am going to be taking a shot there. If for nothing else, a little bit of a a momentum for myself. But that said, we're going to be having a lot of fun taking a look and just how to be able to gauge a market. Because actually now in terms of the Academy Awards, even though it's a few months away, now is when you're able to really get down on good numbers. So we're going to be asking just a little bit about strategy in that as well. So we're going to have some good fun and, I'm sure that many of you guys are enjoying good movies with friends, family, and we always want to give you guys just ways to be able to make money, whether that be in the biggest of big NFL games, the biggest of big basketball, baseball, what have you games, or 
If it's the Academy Awards, it's the Academy Awards. If it's Korean baseball, it's Korean baseball. Any way to be able to make a buck, I am a fan of that. And when you've got a hardworking crew, that always helps you guys be able to do so. The reason why you're hearing this show in such high quality, that would be due to our good friend Taylor. Whether you're listening to Terrestrial Radio, iHeartRadio app, what have you, Taylor's got you covered there. All the graphics that are on screen here on vcin.com and YouTube TV as courtesy of Nick. The man that books all of these wonderful guests, that would be Jason Kahn, our producer for tonight. And we've also got Sean, who does a great job posting up all the podcasts, vcin.com slash podcast, or the vcin best bets feed, wherever your podcast, whether you like this show, follow the money, vcin prime time, you're able to just go down the list every single one of those hours from everything that we do here on the network. It is via the podcast stream that you're able to get it a little bit afterwards and Sean, he does amazing work with that. Now it's time for me to try to find you guys some money on the college basketball card. Kentucky did not pan out with regards to DK Nation pick. We were getting hot. We had hit seven out of the last eight. So now it's time to get on a new roll. And we're going to be talking about a game that I previewed just briefly with our good friend Tom Caselli in our number one. And I do think that this is a number that's a little bit off. 785, 786 is on the board. It is a Pac-12 matchup between Colorado and Sanford. Sanford, the home team, is a two-and-a-half point favorite. Your total is anywhere between 139.5 and 140.5. And DK Nation pick is on Colorado. I made them the favorite in this spot, more around two-and-a-half to three points. I just, I don't get why Stanford's a favorite. I recognize that they're at home, but the Sanford team is not good. They are 307th in all of college basketball in terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis. They are in the bottom 100 in terms of three-point shooting percentage. And Colorado's been able to do a really good job of limiting second chances for opponents. Opponents are grabbing a rebound on 21.8% of their misses. That is 31st in all of college basketball. Colorado comes in having scored at least 84 points at each other last four games. Now, a lot of this is because they're facing off against some schlub schools like North Alabama and company. But who is Stanford beating this year? Yeah, you're able to throw out their loyal Chicago, but the problem with that is that loyal Chicago stinks this year. Oh, good. They beat up on UW-Green Bay. UW-Green Bay is one of the saddest schools in all of college basketball. I grew up 45 minutes away from that campus. They stink. They should have never fired Link Darner. I mean, this is a Stanford bunch that I just take a look at them, and they should have fired Jared Hass like two years ago. The fact that he still has a job is just befuddling, and we're seeing the results of it. They're below 500 once again. And I recognize that Colorado has a little bit of a track record of having a tough time covering games on the road. Good news is I don't even think that they need to cover because I think that they're going to be able to win this game outright. With Colorado, you've got K.J. Simpson, who's been able to do a great job, giving you a 15 and a half points. He chips in there some boards. He's able to shoot an okay rate from three-point range. And an okay rate from three-point range is much better than Stanford because Stanford has one guy that's averaging more than five points per game that shoots above 31.5% from three-point range. Harrison Ingram, someone that we all thought was going to be a first-round draft pick, he's been a flop. He's been able to give you right around 10 points per game. And then when it comes to Colorado, you've got someone in six-foot-eight-size, six-foot-nine combo player, Tristan De Silva. He's been able to do a nice job. He's getting right around 36.5% of his threes, 15 points, steal and a half per contest. And for Colorado, among your top five scores, all of them give you at least one steal per game. Stanford can hold on to the ball to save their lives, and Stanford not necessarily great at being able to generate turnovers either. This is a Colorado bunch that you don't necessarily have that one supreme rebounder. Giovanni Holiday might be that guy at 7.5 rebounds per game, but among your top four scores, all of them give you at least 4.2 rebounds per game, so good balance on the glass against the Stanford team that they've got better size, but they just have lazy big men that aren't taught to actually go out and get a rebound. So 
I take a look at the spot, and I think all the signs point to Colorado being able to get the job done. We have seen home teams do quite solid thus far, but it's been more as underdogs rather than in the favorite role, and I don't think that Sanford should be in the favorite role. Did make my number with Colorado being more around the two and a half to a three point favorite. So I'm just going to take them out right on the money line. Did semi total 135. I do think that Sanford is able to do one thing. They're able to take the air out of the ball a little bit, but a lot of this total as well is because Stanford, they rank outside the top 200 in terms of points scored on a per possession basis as well. They have not been great on offense. So looking at the under and the DK Nation write up, that is going to be on Colorado. Don't think that you need the points. Typically with these write-ups, I do them a little bit before the money lines come out, but if we have a money line out at the time that this is going to be released, I'm just going to give out the money line because I think that they should be able to win this game all right. Let's look at a interesting game out there in the American. This is 773-774. This is going to be a little bit of a later game between Tulane and Cincinnati. In the words of Bill Belichick, we are on to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati, the home team, between a 4 and 4.5 four and point favorite. Your total on this game is between 152 and 152.5, and with Cincinnati, I did make them a five-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay up to a four-slash-four-and-a-half year. Really wouldn't want to lay a whole heck of a lot more, but with Tulane, the squad that really doesn't have a lot of depth. You've got the two Jalens, Jalen Cook and Jalen Forbes, and Cook has been out of the fold for much of the season, but now he's back, and he's been able to do a very solid job for the team. He's registering 20 points, 5.3 assists. He's been able to bomb it from three-point range at a clip of about 35.5%, and then Forbes, he's shooting more around 36% from three. 16 and a half points, four and a half boards, two and a half seals per game. And Cook, he throws in there a seal and a half per game as well. These guys have been able to do a solid job. Colin Hemingway, he's been able to chip in there 11 points per game. But Hallway, he's actually been dealing with a little bit of an injury for this team. So that has made things a little bit more brutal for this Tulane team. Came over from Georgetown. So got a Tulane bunch that they've been dealing with all sorts of injuries. On that front, Kevin Cross is able to do a solid job down low, giving you six rebounds per game. And really, both of these teams. I have just one player that's able to give you more than five or so rebounds per game, but I do think that Victor Lakeen is really going to be the best player in terms of the glass in this game. He plays for Cincinnati. He's been able to give the team seven and a half rebounds per game. Good big man. And even though you don't necessarily have anyone else that gives you really north of about four and a half, five rebounds per game, you do have someone like an OD Oguama who's been able to come in from Wake Forest. He's able to give you three and a half rebounds. Good defender down low. I think that Micah Adams-Woods, who's out there in the backcourt, giving you three and a half assists per game, is going to be able to give this offense a good flow as you've got David DeJulius, Long Flanders only. They're combining to average about 32 points per game with DeJulius and Nolly. They're both shooting above 40% from three, and this is a Cincinnati bunch that over the last few years in general, they've been a little bit intermittent from three-point range. They've been hitting much more this season. They're shooting about 35% from three-point range, and for Cincinnati, defense has been stunningly just... Not so great under Wes Miller this year. I do think that he's going to be able to get things figured out a little bit more. This is a two-lane team that they play up-tempo. They don't necessarily play with their hair on fire or anything like that. With Tulane, right around 45th in the country in terms of possessions per game. Meanwhile, you've got a Cincinnati bunch that, no question about it, this is faster than what they were a season ago. They're more around 100th in terms of possessions per game, but I do think that Wes Miller is going to be able to pump up the defense a little bit more. We're going to see... A little bit more of that style that Wes Miller was able to show with UNC Greensboro. I did set my total at a 145. I'm looking under it. When it comes to Cincinnati, want to lay up to four and a half with them. And then let's take a look at a game that might be a little bit more off the beaten path, more towards the East Coast, as we've got UNC Greensboro. Ironically enough, they're going to be playing against Western Carolina. This is 663, 664 on the betting board. Wes Miller's former school is between a five and a half and a six point favorite. I'm actually seeing now a five at DraftKings as well. 
in your total on this game. It is 138 with Western Carolina. I think it's very important to take note that this team has been beating up on really bad competition all season long because with Western Carolina, when they've won up against the likes of a Maryland against, I believe they played Georgia to begin the season. They were really held down. They were unable to get past 65 points in those games when they went up against Lamar, McNeese. I think that they played against Lindenwood. They were able to put up good numbers and whoop-dee-doo, you were able to beat up on those teams. Now you have to play against a real team like a UNC Greensboro whose coach is Mike Jones. You might be asking who, and I say Mike Jones. He's been able to do a very solid job getting UNC Greensboro to fire on all cylinders. You've got the Langley brothers who pair up very well with Keontae Kennedy. Kennedy has come in from UMBC, 13 points, six boards. He's really the guy that is the straw that serves a drink, but you also have some good facilitation with this team. Dante Tracy has come in for Robert Morris. He's able to give you right around three assists per contest as well with UNC Greensboro. You know that they're going to try to do everything humanly possible to keep things buttoned up down low. Where you can hurt this UNC Greensboro team is from three-point range. Last year, in terms of percentage of points that they allowed, they were number one in all of college basketball in terms of the percentage of the points allowed coming from three-point range. But with Western Carolina, you're not really going to be able to get a lot of made threes. You've got Trey Jackson along, Tyshawn Claude. They're able to give you a combined about 30 points per game. But Claude, he's more of a low-post man that's able to give you about eight and a half rebounds per game. We've seen UNC Greensboro do a good job of matching up with teams with more size and athleticism. Heck, they were able to hang in there against Arkansas a few weeks ago. I said Greensboro more around a six-half point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay it. Greensboro also does a great job with their defensive intensity. So looking at the under semi-total at 130.5. And coming in up next, we're taking a look at the Academy Awards as we're joined by, by, by our very own Brian Ortega, along with Tom Cunningham over at Sportsbook Review here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. 
Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network. The age-old question of the gift that keeps on giving has been answered because the answer is VEASAN. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber for just $79 and get access to everything that we do now through the Big Dance. Sign up and you'll receive $20 to be able to buy VEASAN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear at our online store. And only VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN show us and guests. Tools like our betting splits that let you see where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. Deep dive betting reports plus our ongoing college bowl coverage with bets bets on every single game. This is a limited time offer, so sign up for the perfect sports betting holiday gift and give VEASAN Pro access all the way through March Madness. And that's at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. We've got something very fun coming up. We're going to be taking a look at the Academy Awards. It's Tom Cunningham. He does a great job over at Sportsbook Review, taking a look at the futures market. And we've got the weekend producer of the Greg Peterson experience himself, Brian Ortega here at the network joining me. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure. And before we dive into any of these movies, where to be able to fire in, I want to just get a little bit of background information, how we're able to try to be able to determine value in general with regards to the Academy Awards. And Brian, I will start with you. How do they decide who should be towards the top of the board in terms of some of these categories? And are there any other award markets in general that you're able to take a look at and get a good gauge? Because I know that the Academy Awards, they certainly aren't the only movie awards that are out there. And I know that there's quite a few others that come before the Academy Awards that can sort of give you a little bit of a taste of what to expect. Yeah, sure, Greg. Thanks for having me on. It's always nice to be. It's first time I'm a guest on your actual show. Yes, so I'm sir. You're producing it, so that's cool. So, um, yeah, so typically um, it's any movie that comes out during the this year, so 2022, that's uh, uh, eligible to actually get voted in. Um, typically they come out during award season, which typically is like from like September into de- December is usually known as a uh, award season. But this year might be a little bit different with like everything everywhere all at once coming out earlier in the season. Same thing with Top Gun coming out as a summer blockbuster. So those are you, and they also usually come out during uh, festivals as well. That's sort of when they unveil a lot of these Oscar films. So that's usually something you have to look out for just if they're coming out in that part of the year. Um, a lot of movies came out in December. So like Avatar and Babylon, those are sort of like Oscar films. Um, so sometimes uh, it comes through and sometimes they don't, just kind of depends. 
And um, right now, a lot of the critics' awards are, are being voted on, so you have to kind of look out and see how the critics are voting on these films. You kind of see a trend on who's sort of sweeping the awards, but you do have to wait and sort of see next year, so 2023, which is only next, next week, basically, for like the Golden Globes, the BAFTAs. Uh, you can also look at um, the Guild Awards, so like the Producers Guild Awards, as well as the SAG. So those are films, or I'm um, sorry, those are film awards you want to keep an eye out for when you're actually uh, handicapping all these, um, all these movies. But right now, we're actually looking at sort of like the preseason odds, basically, sort of like football, where you want to sort of get your futures in and sort of get a gauge of what you're going to be looking for in uh, the, the spring. Yeah, because you just mentioned it. It's any movie that is released in 2022. So every single film that's up for like, best picture, best animated movie, what have you, th that has not been decided yet because you still have a few movies that are going to be coming out within the next few days. And Tom, are there any other things that you take a look at just right now to be able to gauge just what we're going to be able to get And Are there any other big things to be able to really just notice right now as to what is going to be deciding what, team, what movies are slash are not going to be up for some things like best picture, best animated movie, what have you? Yeah, I think just kind of looking at the odds market in general is a good starting point. I know last year, uh, for a majority of the year, Power of the Dog was your favorite to win Best Picture. Uh, however, it was not the most popular movie, uh, Coda. You saw, saw odds around 25 to 1, dropped to 20 to 1, dropped 10 to 1, and that's when we decided to pull the trigger on uh, Coda for Best Picture. Sure enough, uh, night of the Oscars, it ended up being the favorite at minus value. Uh, this year, I think you're seeing something very similar. 13 Lives actually opened as the favorite when this market first opened way back almost a year ago uh, after the Academy Awards in 2022. And now you're starting to see something similar where the Fablemans took over uh, after 13 Lives came out because it just wasn't very popular uh, when it did come out on Amazon Prime. Fablemans took over as the favorite at minus value until recently. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once has seen its odds drop from 20 to 1 to 10 to 1 to 8 to 1. BetMGM somehow is still giving everything, everywhere, all at once 4 to 1 odds to win Best Picture. No other book uh, is even close to those odds. I think PointsBet is plus 150, DraftKings plus 125. So you're starting to see everything, everywhere, all at once be that coda from a year ago. The only difference is coda's odds didn't start to move until nominations were announced. Nominations don't come out for probably another month. I believe January 27th is when nominations are revealed for the Oscars. Uh, but I wouldn't even wait. I would jump on everything, everywhere, all at once right now. You can see the trends and the odds are moving towards that movie for Best Picture. And uh, it was brought up earlier in the segment already that this movie came out early in the year. It came out in March. Typically, when movies come out with a bunch of hype, they start to lose their luster the longer they've been released. Good movies, though, that come out early and gain popularity as the year goes on, there, there's something there. And Everything Everywhere All at Once, again, came out in March, and it is one of the most popular movies and still gaining popularity today. That is the sign of a Best Picture movie uh, in terms of popular demand. So I wouldn't even wait anymore. Looking at the odds, Everything Everywhere All at Once is moving, and it probably will be your favorite for Best Picture by the, uh, by the time Oscars night rolls around. And I know that you mentioned this as well. Something that you're taking a look at is a movie that they continue. It continues to be very, very popular because you're mentioning it. Typically, when it comes to a movie, you want to take a look at it being a little bit released later. But 
how about a movie like a Top Gun that obviously it was a summer blockbuster. A lot of people saw it. A lot of people liked it. Is there still a little bit of value on them? Because they're towards right around like the 20 to one ish range in toward, in terms of being best picture. Yeah, it was mentioned, you know, Top Gun was released earlier and is gaining a lot of popularity. So my issue with everything everywhere, uh, everything everywhere all at once is that the older generation is a bit confused by its plot. Uh, from what I've heard, uh, just word of mouth and, and kind of the street talk. Also, the older generation really likes Top Gun Maverick. So suddenly the Fablemans and the Banshees of Inishiron uh, become bettable because I believe a lot of the voters might take votes away from everything everywhere all at once and lean towards Top Gun Maverick, which would then take votes away from everything everywhere all at once and could see the Fablemans and or uh, the Banshees of Inishiron really move up and, and win Best Picture. So I do think it's a four-way race right now. But Top Gun Maverick, I think, presents the best value, mainly because the older generation really likes that movie. So uh, the older generation voters uh, for the Best Picture is going to be interesting in, this, uh, in determining this year's winner. And right now at DraftKings, I'm seeing Top Gun Maverick at 12 to 1, which honestly feels like really good value. I don't know if you've been able to take a look yeah. at more of these more of these movies that are towards the top, Ryan, but I think a look at it and just in terms of everything that I'm seeing, we're going to we're going to go with a movie that has been excluded in a minute, but I just take a look at Top Gun Maverick at 12 to 1. Meanwhile, you've got everything everywhere all at once at plus 150 along with the Fablemans yeah. and it just feels like you're not getting any value with those two movies. I don't even want to see the Fablemans purposely. Meanwhile, Top Gun Maverick, thumbs up from me, 12 to 1. I really like it. Oh, yeah, for sure. So um, I like to usually bet two uh, two movies in the best picture category, usually one of the favorites. So, for example, here it would be Everything Everywhere All at Once. And then I also really do enjoy Top Gun as well. But going back to what Tom said, it's very true that sometimes when you have a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once, and then you have a film like, let's just say, Babylon as an example, is those are on two opposite ends of the spectrum. And the way that they actually vote on the best picture, this is the only award that does this, they do ranked votings. So they actually make you pick 10 of your favorite films, you rank them, and then as it gains to get to like 50%, so they get 50% of the vote, that puts them into the nomination pool, and then you go from there. So movies like The Fablemans, Banshees of Era Sharon, they're kind of in the middle. They're sort of, I'm not going to say mediocre, but they're the ones that uh, everybody kind of likes. So those tend to get a lot of value because those are sort of like the second, third, and fourth picks, kind of ends up in the middle. But you have movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is maybe the best film for some people, but maybe the ones that do, don't, people don't get. I am definitely one of those people that I appreciate Everything Everywhere All at Once. I think all the acting is fantastic, but not particularly my cup of tea. And I think I like, you know, avant-garde films. So I do actually like Top Gun Maverick at 12 to 1 with this value for sure. And I know that, Tom, you were mentioning sort of the big four that we're seeing right now. Is there any other movie that might be able to present a little bit of value? Because something like Babylon is currently clocking in at 12 to 1. Elvis is 25 to 1. That was a flop. I don't know if there's <laughs> any value there. But is there anything outside of that big four that you think, man, it might be able to rise up a bit more? Yeah, there's two. I think Avatar is, is a realistic chance of winning. We'll see. We'll see how it measures up after time has passed and how it marinates, uh, per se, with some of the critics. It's over three hours, though. That, that's tough for me to, to stay in a movie theater that long. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I really enjoyed Glass Onion. Uh, now, I know it's going up against its, 
you know, a, a, there was a first movie. And so a lot of people are going to be comparing the two Knives Out, which I don't think is fair. Glass Onion was good, though. Uh, but I think it's between those top four movies uh, as far as I'm concerned. And Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, 100 to 1 currently at DraftKings. So we're taking a look at it. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at how some of the more ancillary markets are gauging. The biggest snub that I am finding currently on this board. That's up next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The countdown to 2023 has started, and Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook has you covered to start off the new year with a bang. Join Bet Rivers on both New Year's Eve and New Year's Day to ring in 2023. Log into BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app on December 31st, and you'll receive a 22% profit boost, and then log in again. On January 1st, 2023, you get a 23% profit boost on any qualifying wager. That is correct. Celebrate Bet Rivers and get not just one, but two profit boosts as it is a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. We're talking some Oscars. We've got Brian Ortega. He does great work here at the network and was the weekend producer of the Greg Peterson Experience. And then we've got Tom Cunningham. He does amazing work taking a look at the futures market over at Sportsbook Review and Brian, we've been mostly talking about just the Best Picture Award. We're noticing that a lot of books, they're only really posting Best Picture, Best Director is in there. You might get one or two other markets. When can we expect to see more of the ancillary markets like Best Song, you're able to go down the list, Best Supporting Actor, what have you, and are able to fire in on those? Yeah, so typically after they do the nominations, they have shortlisted most of those categories at this point. But once they actually do do the official announcement, usually the week of or maybe a little bit after that, they'll actually post the uh, post the odds for that. But usually it has to come when all of those awards like hairstyle, uh, original song, score, screenplay, that usually comes out a little bit after the, uh, the nominations come out. Yep. And then, Tom, is there any markets that you're really taking a look at and you're curious to see where they open up in terms of more of these smaller awards, for lack of a better term, because there might be a little bit of value? Uh, yeah, well, you mentioned Best Original Song uh, already, and I think it's pretty—it's a pretty great crop of, uh, of nominations, and it has been shortlisted, as mentioned earlier. This is one of the categories that has been shortlisted, so we're able to gauge a good view of which best songs uh, to watch out for. And a lot of them I had on the list, uh, Chao Papa from uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio was one. This is a life from everything, everywhere, all at once. But... Good Afternoon from Spirited made the short list, and I'm thrilled because I actually had that as my, my front runner for best original song. It's the most ironic song I've ever heard in my life, and it's a great musical number that you'd want to see performed. That was until I watched RRR and Natu Natu, to me, is the best song of the year right now. Uh, there's still quite a few I have to get through, maybe four or five, but as of right now, uh, Natu Natu, for me, is the best song of the year. And that's saying something because I was very high on Good Afternoon from Spirited. So if uh, the best song market opens with those two having nominations, I would look at their odds and consider betting those two for best song right now. And Brian, in terms of more of the ancillary markets, is there a few that you're taking a look at and you think they might be providing a little bit of value based on some of the short lists that we are seeing right now? Yeah, definitely. So I would say the visual effects is going to be very interesting this year. 
just because you have Top Gun Maverick, which does a lot of practical effects. And then you also are probably going to have Avatar, which has been shortlisted as well, to be in the visual effects, uh, the visual effects category. So I think it's going to battle between those two. Uh, I kind of thought of, uh, earlier in the year that Top Gun Maverick was going to have a really good year at the Oscars in terms of the below the line. So uh, editing, which I want to keep an eye on those markets. Um, I'm not really good at hair and makeup, unfortunately, but uh, I do like the uh, the the, uh, the visual effects and the um, and the uh, the film editing score because you can kind of kind of sort of gauge where it's going to go. So I like uh, Top Gun Maverick to be do pretty well in those particular particular categories. All right, and now I have to ask the most important part of this interview, and the reason why we are all doing this, Tom, we're going to lead off with you on this. There is one film that I am seeing in terms of best picture that is not on there, and it's one of the biggest calamities I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Minions, The Rise of Gru is currently not on the best picture list at DraftKings. I can't even get down at like 150 to 1 or anything like this. Why in the world is this? And will this will this picture, which deserves about 47 different awards, I don't even know if there's 47 categories, but it deserves every one of them, aside from maybe Best Makeup, because it is an animated movie, but I guess you can have animated makeup as well. But that's it. <laughs> Why is this movie not on the board, and is there any hope for Minions Rise of Gru winning any sort of Oscars at all? No. Um, per, I'm sorry, Greg, to be the bearer of bad news to ruin your Wednesday. Uh, I don't see Minions. So Minions had a shot at two categories, Best Animated Film and Best Original Song. Uh, as we noted, Best Original Song has been shortlisted and Minions did not make the cut. And I do apologize for that, Greg. Uh, I also apologize for Minions not going to be uh, listed in the uh, Best Animated Films as well. Just for my own personal review of the animated market right now, I have a lot of movies ahead of it. Uh, Turning Red, Wendell and Wild, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell at Shoes on, Apollo 10 and a Half, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the list goes on. Uh, and so I hate to be the bearer of bad news for you, Greg, but uh, I do not see Minions, The Rise of Gru getting uh, anywhere near the Oscars this year. Minions Sorry is getting passed up by a shell. You gotta be kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is an outrage. I mean... This is worse than when we saw like some of these MVP awards, what have you. I mean, this would be like giving the MVP award to the dude that came in to pitch like one inning. Like this is Carl Edwards Jr. winning the Cy Young award right here. This is just, <laughs> I don't know what to say. This is not great to say the least, but with that said, Brian, is there anything else that you're really taking a look at in terms of some of these Oscar awards or any really key like benchmark dates? that you want to be taking a look at to be able to fire in. Because like I said, right now, in terms of a lot of these betting markets, you're only able to get down on really some of your more major awards. And when can we expect to see a little bit more and just be able to get some value in terms of what we're talking about in terms of things like best song? Certainly. So for, for example, the SAG awards, which those are a little bit down the road, the Golden Globes are next. That's the next big award show. That's sort of a hard award show to sort of gauge just because some of the movies are in different categories. So for example, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is in the best musical or uh, the best musical or comedy category. And things like uh, The Banshees of Ira Sheeran is gonna be in the drama category. So you can't really gauge them at that point, but when you get to the, the uh, SAG Awards, that's when you can start judging on the uh, actor and actress uh, categories. You should also keep an eye on the BAFTAs. Typically the, uh, the picture that wins best picture at the BAFTAs does pretty well at the Oscars. Uh, didn't happen last year, though. Uh, last year, it did sort of flip, where Belfast won for best, uh, I believe, British film. 
And then when you go to the Producers Guild Awards, that's sort of the big one. So the Producers Guild Awards are just before the Academy Awards. So honestly, if we get to the Producers Guild Awards and it's still a tight race, you might want to start keep, keep an eye on the sort of top two. Usually for these awards, it sort of comes down to two uh, categories, or sorry, two uh, nominees. And then you kind of have to keep an eye out. That's what happened to Coda last year with Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog was really sweeping a lot of the awards. And then right after the SAG Awards, Coda really sort of gaining, gained steam and advertising and all that. So that's sort of what happened. I think you also have to take into account sort of how the Oscars sort of looks at itself. It tends to like to sort of make a statement on social issues sometimes and sort of reflects their voting. So it's not always a very easy sort of apples to apples sort of comparison to year to year. So last year it was sort of coming out of COVID. People wanted to feel good. And that's really what Coda was. And I feel like that really had an effect on that particular award category. But I would definitely look at the actor and actress categories uh, after the SAG Awards. That's when you get a pretty good, pretty clear idea of what's going to happen. But sometimes you got to jump in, jump into it before, because once those start going, you start getting a lot of minus money. Right now, most of the awards are in the plus money category or plus money territory. But once these start winning the big, big awards and people start taking note, the odds will shift as uh, the year goes on. And Tom, is there anything that can really cause a line movement in terms of some of these awards other than more of these like SAG awards that Brian was talking about? Is there anything that could come out that ever causes a shift for a movie to either really rise up these these boards or vice versa, causes them to plummet? No, not really. I think uh, the award shows is pretty much your bread and butter. Uh, last year, you just have to act early, as it was alluded to. Uh, last year, I just personally thought Jessica Chastain was the best actress at five to one. I liked the value, so I took her. She won the SAG for Best Actress the very next morning. She's the favorite at minus 150. Same thing at Troy Kotzer for Coda. I just thought he was the best supporting actor of the entire crop uh, that I watched. Uh, he was plus 350 for Best Supporting Actor. He won the SAG. He was the very next morning minus 350. So it is very much having to use your own personal opinion and striking this market early. And then, look, if, you, if, if the person you bet on ends up winning an award like the SAG, as we've mentioned already, uh, and you find that that bet is in minus value the next morning, that means you won that, that bet in that market. So uh, it really does come down to me. The odds movement does come down to the award show, uh, the precursor award show results. But again, you have to strike on those before the award show takes place. Uh, so highlight those dates that uh, we talked about. And make sure you get some uh, early bets in uh, before those dates. If there is a certain actor, actress, or movie that you are sold on uh, that has plus value currently. Such good information from you two. And we all found out that the Patrick Mahomes of the movies is not even going to be able to get on the awards board. It's just really, really sad. But that said, everything else was terrific. Brian, you do amazing work over here at the network. And Tom, you do a great job taking a look at some futures over there at Sportsbook Review. Always appreciate it, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Greg. Appreciate it. In the break, I'm going to need to wash down my tears from the fact that we're not going to see Minions be able to, rot, to be able to win Best Picture. But with that said, coming up next, we're going to take a look at Thursday Night Football to hopefully be able to ease that sting next year on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with five good things. 
a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network. DraftKings Sportsbook goes live in Ohio on Sunday, January 1st at 12.01 a.m. And to celebrate, all new customers will be receiving $200 in free bets when you sign up today. Plus, five lucky customers will be winning $100,000. As a matter of fact, a $100,000 free bet. So the question becomes, what would you do with $100,000 if you had to make one bet in January and I've got the answer, as it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. First things first, before I give you that answer, a big thanks to Brian Ortega, actually the weekend producer of the Greg Peterson experience back when this was a weekend show, does great work over here at VSIN. And then Tom Cunningham does amazing work. It was both the best and the worst segment ever, as it, we were able to get some great insights. Those two guys were tremendous, and they broke my hearts and dreams of Minions, the Rise of Gru, being able to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. and well, 
since I can't fire in on minions at 150 to 1 or anything like that to win best picture, which it should. Apparently, it's not going to win, but it should. With that said, if I was given a $100,000 wager like DraftKings is going to be doing for five lucky people, I've said this a few times, and my answer is not going to waver. You do everything possible to make sure that you've got a winning bet, and the best way to be able to do this, taking a look at just some big, giant, chalky money line favorite. Like, in college basketball, we're going to have some teams that are going to be, like, 30-point favorites, like Illinois versus Bethune-Cookman, something like that, where Illinois is a 30-point favorite. Just take Illinois to win because this is not the spot where you want to be getting super-duper cute. This is not the time to impress people with just being able to put out there some sharp wage or anything like that. you got to get the $100,000 into your bankroll. Take the most chalky money line that you can find on the board. Make sure it hits, and that's the way that you go with it. Because if you don't hit your bet, you get zero. So you got to hit the bet. Just take something that is pretty much should happen. And you know what? If Bethune-Cookman knocks off Illinois, well, it just was not meant to be there. So that is exactly what I would do. And then from there, you're able to make smaller wagers. You're able to split up that $100,000. You're able to build a big bankroll from there. So... I do think that that would be the best way to be able to go about it, and that's the way that I would be gauging that. If you agree slash disagree, at Gina and Ernst Gordy one on Twitter, I'm always receptive to better slash worse ways to be taking a look at that. But that said, something else that we've got to take a look at, we've got some Thursday night football that is going to be going down, and, well, this is a grody game, to say the least. We've got the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans. A few weeks ago, this looked like it was going to be a good game when we had, oh, I don't know, Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry in the fold, but we don't have Derrick Henry. Most likely he's doubtful, which means he's probably not going to be playing in this game. And well, we've got Malik Willis currently at quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. And as a result, what was a look at line of Dallas being a three point favorite? This is up to anywhere between 12 and 13. And their total on this game is 39 and a half to 40. I am the schmuck that's going to be taking the Tennessee Titans. I know that the Tennessee Titans have not looked great. I know that Malik Willis has been far from savory as a quarterback, but I do think that now is the time that you're able to get Hassan Askins, who was a very good running back while he was over at Michigan, someone who just hasn't seen a lot of run in general. I think that he could be able to come out and have a decent game against a Dallas Cowboys team that has been all sorts of dysfunctional and bad on defense in general. The Dallas Cowboys defense was really able to do a great job towards the beginning of part of the season. We were hearing, oh, the Dallas Cowboys defense might be one of the most dominant forces in all of football. And heck, I was saying that they've been without Leighton Vander Esch. That has been hurting them a little bit. I think that that is very clear. And also on top of that, you've got a Dallas Cowboys team that in general, it feels like they've been figured out a little bit more as they've given up at least 23 points at each out of the last three games. And the 23 that they gave up, that was to the Houston Texans. So, it has been going far from great for them. I do think that with the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to be able to move the ball a little bit, maybe deal with an injury to Tony Pollard, but even if he's not out there, you do have still Ezekiel Elliott, who's been able to do a good job of turning the rock for this team. And it's a Tennessee Titans team that they've been very hit or miss in terms of their defense as well. Defense started out the year very strong, and they had the that two-week bad stretch. They went up against the Philadelphia Eagles and the Jacksonville Jaguars. They gave up 35-plus in all those games, but if you take those two games out of the equation, this team has not given up more than 22 points in any game other than that 
calamity that we saw against the Buffalo Bills. So by and large, this has been actually a relatively solid Tennessee Titans team. I do think that the line move in terms of the total it is very, very appropriate because even though the Dallas Cowboys have been struggling in recent weeks on defense, and we've seen that out of the Titans as well, by and large, these have been groups that have been able to do a solid job. Now, also with the Tennessee Titans defense, looks like Jeffrey Simmons is going to be out. Bud Dupree is going to be out. Amani Hooker is going to be out. I believe that Zach Cunningham is going to be out. The Tellaboy is going to be out. That's rough. That's really rough to say the least, and that should lead to a little bit more run for some of these Dallas Cowboys players. And if you'd be looking at anything in terms of a team total, I would probably just take a look at the Titans under just because with the Dallas Cowboys, they looked very good last week against the Philadelphia Eagles, but I don't know if I necessarily trust them in this spot. And I think that really a lot of unders is the way to go in terms of this game because we're seeing a very limited amount of player props. This is going to be a very tough game to be able to get too many bets on until the AM. So I'm doing this with the overnight show and, that makes things just brutal in general, but I do still think that you've got a little bit of value in terms of some of these. If you're taking a look at the market of over-under touchdown passes by Dak Prescott, I'd be taking a look at an under in this spot because I do think that even if Tony Pollard doesn't play in this game, you're going to see the Dallas Cowboys most likely be in control of this game, and that's going to lead to them running the ball quite a bit. Right now, you're not able to really dive in on any of these Dallas Cowboys rushing props other than Dak Prescott other than Dak Prescott, who his over-under rush yards is 9.5. I really don't have a take there because one good run, he's able to go over, but if he really doesn't scramble a lot, it's an under. So, I mean, that's something I really don't want to dive into, and I don't want to dive in on Malik Willis either. His over-under is 40.5. I'd be very curious to see where Hassan Riddick comes out at just because with Willis, you got to figure that the Tennessee Titans, if at all humanly possible, they want to establish a ground game, if they can keep this game within a score, which I do think that they're going to be able to keep it relatively close. They're going to make sure, all right, Malik Willis, you're going to be serving pretty much as our waiter tonight at a fine restaurant. We've got all the chefs up front. We're going to make sure that we create a really good meal, and we need you to not spill the soup. For the love of Pete, you just can't drop the ball on this one, and I think that they're going to have them try to do as little as humanly possible in this game. So that's a little bit of an angle there. Now I take a look at some of these props in terms of the Dallas Cowboys and you really only have three props that are up in terms of rushing slash receptions in this game. And Michael Gallup at two and a half, that just feels a little bit low. We were able to see Michael Gallup get a little bit more in the fold last week. And I do think that Dak Prescott is going to be looking his way a little bit. It's been a bit of a disappointing year for Michael Gallup. I've had him in fantasy, so I know all too well about that. But I do think that with Michael Gallup, he's starting to have a little bit more of a hold on this offense. And with Michael Gallup, he was dealing with injury towards the beginning part of the season. Now it seems like he's starting to finally reach a little bit more of his peak. He's been able to have four-plus receptions in three of the last five weeks. So in over or under of two and a half, I'd be willing to take that one over. I think that you've got a little bit of value there. And I do think that Derek Prescott in general, he's going to air it out a little bit. But I don't think that this is a game in which you're going to need the Dallas Cowboys to necessarily throw it like 40 plus times. If you take a look at the pass yards for Dak Prescott, they're at 235 and a half. I'd be taking a look at an under in this spot, especially with a lot of the injuries for the, uh, t for the Tennessee Titans coming in the front seven with the linebacking core and company. They are very much, they are very much just not having a lot of guys that are out there. I know that hooker is going to be out of the fold for the Titans, but 
A lot of their injuries, they are revolving around that front seven. So I do think that the Cowboys, they're going to be punting the ball quite a bit. And I think that this is going to be really a less than savory game. If you're looking at a team total of the Tennessee Titans in this spot, you're most likely going to be finding this right around about a 14 and a half. I do think that that is going to be very much worth looking at an under in this spot because I do think that with this Tennessee Titans team, they're going to have a tough time getting to 10 pretty much. As long as you've got north of 10 in terms of this player prop or in terms of this team total, I'd be taking a look at the under. And I do think that with the Tennessee Titans, they're going to actually hold in this game. I think that this is going to be another example of a sad, pathetic Thursday night football game. Or have you heard this before? But I think that we're getting another one of those. I think that we're going to see Dak Prescott not throw for multiple touchdowns. So he targets Michael Gallup a little bit more. So I'm willing to go over on that receptions prop. And I just don't have anything in terms of interception props here just because I don't think that the Tennessee Titans are really going to be airing it out a whole lot as well. So looking at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at 12 and a half to 13 here with the Tennessee Titans. And that leads us into our pro tip, vcin.com slash subscribe for all these. And we were talking about the Academy Awards in our last segment. And you do want to be able to get in on these Academy Award markets very early, taking a look at things like the SAG Awards. Once you're able to really know the market a little bit more, you're able to find very good value. And even taking a look at it a little bit beforehand, you're able to maximize your value because a lot of these plus prices, they turn into minus numbers after the SAG Awards. So that is sport tip for hour number two. And coming in next, we take a look at some college basketball here on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.